sharing is out there for dynamic support of those by way of television and video and other things that you can very difficult. So we thank God for all of you joining us by way of television and YouTube and other means of communication. And we thank God for gathering and getting out of the means of our existence. Let us turn now to our opening hymn as we pray for our district superintendent. Number one. 
step forward in the past to initiate the hope and the joy and the faith and the grace and as we look forward to other volunteers, we pray that you continue to bless us with those messages of hope, joy, peace, and love, and the light of Christ into our hearts and into our lives. We do pray for our district superintendent, Dan Johnson, who has experienced a series of heart attacks, released from the hospital, and he returns. We pray for our daughter, Hope. Grandchildren, Gabriel, Michael, and Delaney, and son-in-law Dan. We thank you for the faithful support of the Brooklyn Park law enforcement who have stepped forward and given their vacation days to Dan so that he can provide hope and provide transportation and assistance. Pray for other members of our congregation that may be experiencing the need of confidential prayers. We pray for our television audience. We pray for those by way of radio, Facebook, and other means. Lord, we realize that dominion is finally stripped from Satan, finally stripped by the cross of Jesus Christ, and that a new world is coming, restored by Jesus. But for now, we, we live in this fallen, bound kingdom, a kingdom that is shrouded in darkness and beset by sin and corruption and wickedness, violence and disease, pestilence and debauchery. Even worse is the escalation of all these things because they're coming in waves, waves with increasing frequency and intensity that are seemingly wearing and grinding down the saints. Lord, help us to remember the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 to 12. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death from Jesus' sake, and that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies, so that death is working in us, but life in you and through you. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward person is perishing, yet the inward person is being renewed day by day. And for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Remind us, O oh Lord, that all dogs don't go to heaven, but they do go to the kingdom. And I'm a firm believer that whatever happens to my dogs in this life, I will see them again in the kingdom. We know dogs aren't allowed in the New Jerusalem for at least 16 this way, but there were.
teach us always to pray as the Lord as he taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And if you turn with me to our scripture reading, it's taken from Luke Gospel, the 23rd chapter of Luke, verses 39 through 43. God bless the reading and hearing of the word. Now one of the criminals, one of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding. Now the word deriding is cursing, taking the name of the Lord in vain, and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and, and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? that you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly as criminals, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. And say it with me. Paradise. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you. Of course, first in our scripture it says that when the criminal was crucified, Jesus said a blessing. And second one says, hey, if you really say you are, let's get rid of these prophecies and superstitions. The other criminal warned him and told him to stop. God. I learned something new at this point. Both criminals and mocked Jesus before they even arrived at the cross. This would be found in Matthew 24, verse 44, and Mark 15, chapter 13, Mark chapter 15, uh, verse 32. Something else I found studying our scripture is that the only death that is virtue is the one in the Bible. And that's this one, the God of the Jesus. I thought, well, the Living Society of my Christ Intercessory Award on behalf of others. The man then turned to Jesus and announced the results of his faith. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, the second picture of faith was, truly I say to you, Today, you will live in paradise. That's the only death person to bring on in all life is one at this point. And the guy who contacted Jesus at first to be in paradise sometime, I think, he said yes. It may not be fair, so up to you. But faith in Jesus final breath. Yeah, faith. Jesus, the final breath, on your death bed. Somebody said to me, I didn't forgive me. That's all it takes. 
on your deathbed. Just say, Lord, forgive me for I've sinned. Say, go to heaven. That doesn't seem fair, but Lord, it's God gracious to receive our definition of justice. God's grace unmerited and unearned. Just as salvation is. Everybody who confess the name of the Lord Jesus, the matter they do it as a group, they do it as ninety. They truly say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin and drown with me. I want to be back to you. Say it back to you. Besides our faith is here here on earth. Inside ultimately, the more joy and reward you get in heaven. Think about that. The more faith you have to be Christ here on earth, the sinner to be still when you get to heaven. Verses that we have now read deserve to be printed, deserve to be printed in letters of gold. This kind of Sunday before we enter into the real biblical times of looking into the Gospel of Luke and the Nativity, this reminds us, and they've probably been the, the salvation of myriads of millions, millions of souls. Multitudes will thank God to all eternity that, that the Bible contains the story of the penitent thief. I've been by the bedside of many a dying person, many a dying person who have, in one reason or another, they procrastinated and put off a decision for Christ, and I asked them, asked them if they would like to make a decision for Christ, and they said yes, and I've been blessed and fortunate to lead them in the sinner's prayer of the all of us have been fallen short of the glory of God, and indeed we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and see we need to confess Him, our Lord and Savior, to hear first-time confessions. It reminds me of this passage of Scripture, how somebody, a thief, maybe on the left, who could curse and blaspheme God, and a similar criminal on Jesus' right could probably say, today, remember me. We come in paradise. We see, um, firstly, this story of the penitent, penitent thief. We see, firstly, in, in history that is before us, the sovereignty, the sovereignty of God in saving, saving sinners. Whether it's a first-time decision for Christ or uh, a renewal of our faith, and I think we should renew our faith a doubt or a, a thought enters into our mind when we disagree with scripture or tradition or reason 
moments of doubt. We, we are told that, that two, two malefactors or two criminals are, were crucified together with our Lord, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And both were equally, you can say, equally near to Christ. They were near to Christ geographically. Both saw and heard all that had happened during the six hours that they had hung on the cross. Both were, were dying individuals, and, and they were suffering acute pain. Both were alike wicked sinners, and, and they needed forgiveness, and they needed repentance. Yet one died in the sins, the one on the left. And as he had lived, hardened, impenitent, and unbelieving, the other on his right repented and believed and cried out to Jesus for mercy and, and was saved. A fact like this should, should, should touch our, us with humility. It should teach you and I humility, whether we're in the pulpit or whether we're in the pew. We cannot account for it. We are, cannot account for it that the geographical distance being similar, we cannot only say that even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight, according to Matthew chapter 11, 26. How is it that under precisely the same circumstances, one person is converted and another that's left it remains dead in sins? Why the very same sermon, the same sermon is heard by one with a sense of perfect indifference and then sends another home to pray and seek Christ in those innermost thoughts of one's mind. Why the same gospel is hid to one and, and revealed to another? All these questions, all these questions which we cannot possibly answer, we only know that it is so and that it is useless to deny it. We talk about the separation of the, the goats and the sheep that Jesus says. You know, they, Jesus wanted to shepherd all of them, but the goats on his left went into eternal destruction, and the sheep on his right went to paradise. We realize that our own duty, our own duty is very clear. It's very clear in the pulpit. It should be very clear in the that our own duty is very clear and plain. We, we are to make diligent, diligent use of all the means which God has appointed for the good, the good of souls. There's no necessity that anyone, anyone should be lost, that any should perish. There's no such a thing as decreed damnation, decreed damnation in the Bible. The offers of the gospel are the gospel are wide and, and free and very general. That in all, in all our doings, says the seventeenth article of our universal belief in the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed and various creeds, that the will of God is to be offered to all and follow, which we have expressly declared to us in the Word of God. But God's sovereignty was never meant to destroy our responsibility. One thief was saved, 
one thief was saved that no single sinner might be spared, but only one, and that no sinner might presume. We see, secondly, in, in this history, the unvarying and varying character of repentance. Repentance unto salvation. There's a point in this penitent thief's story which is fearfully overlooked. Thousands, possibly millions, look at the broad fact that he was saved in this hour, saved in the hour of death, and they look no further. They look no further. They do not look at the, the distinct and well-defined evidences of repentance which fell from his lips before he died. Those evidences deserve our closest attention, and I'd like to go into them, but not with great depth. But the first, the first notable step in the thief on the right path, repentance, was his concern. Was his concern about his companion's wickedness and reviling crime. The one that was on the right path said, Thus thou not fear God, thus thou not fear God. He said, Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. First step. Second step. The second step was a full acknowledgement of his own sin. He said, We, we indeed are justly in condemnation. We receive the due reward of our deeds. Third step was an open confession of Christ's innocence. The thief on the righteous path, the fourth step was, was faith in Jesus Christ's power and, and the will to save him. He turned to the crucified sufferer and called him Lord, called him Lord and declared his belief that, that he had a kingdom. The fifth step was prayer. He cried to Jesus when he was hanging on the cross and asked Jesus even then to think upon his soul. The sixth and last step was humility. Steve on the right and the right path, he begged to be remembered. And I've heard those words many a time. Death said, remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. By our Lord. And he mentions no great thing. He doesn't look back on his past and say, these are all the great and holy things I did. Enough for him if he just remembers that if Christ remembers him. And the sixth point should always be remembered in connection with the, the penitent, the repentant thief. His time was very short for giving proof. Very short time for giving any sense of proof of his conversion, although and he had probably no time to look at scripture or tradition or anything or experience. But it was time well used. Few, let me tell you, very few dying people have left behind them such good evidences as were left by this man in that brief interview. Let us beware of a repentance without evidences Thousands, millions, maybe feared, are every year going out into the world with a lie, a very lie in their left hand. They fancy they will be saved because the thief was saved in his hour of death. 
They forget that if they would be saved as he was saved, they must repent as he repented. The shorter a person's life here is on earth, the better must be the use that they make at that time. The nearer that one is to death, when they first begin to think in terms of death, the clearer must be the evidence that they leave behind. Nothing that may be safely laid down as a general rule, nothing is so thoroughly unsatisfactory as a deathbed repentance. I'm certain of any proofs or evidence. We see clearly in this history the amazing power, the amazing power of the willingness of Christ to save sinners. It is written that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 7, 25. That if we search the Bible through, from Genesis to Revelation, we shall never find a more striking proof of Christ's power and mercy than the salvation of this penitent and repentant thief. The time when the thief was saved was the hour of the Lord's greatest, greatest weakness. He was hanging in agony on the cross, being scourged near death, even before they placed him on the cross. And even when he heard and, 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 and heard and granted the sinner's petition and opened to him the, the gate of life. And surely this was power, this was power. The man, the person whom our Lord saved, was a wicked, wicked sinner at the point of death, with nothing in his past life. Nothing in his past life to boast of or to recommend himself to God. And nothing notable in his present position but a very humble purpose. Yet even he was plucked, plucked like a brand from the burning. Surely this was mercy. Surely this was God's mercy. Do we want proof that salvation is a grace? We have it in the case before us that the dying thief was nailed hand and foot to the cross. He could do literally nothing for his own soul. Yet even he, through Christ's infinite grace, was saved. No one ever receives such a strong assurance of their own forgiveness as this thief, this man on the cross. Do we want proof that sacraments and ordinances are not absolutely needful to salvation, and that many may be saved without them when they cannot be had. We have it in the case before us. The dying thief was probably never baptized or belonged to no visible church and never received the Lord's Supper, but he repented. He repented and believed, and therefore he was saved. Let these things sink down very deep in our hearts this morning. Christ never changes. The way of salvation is always one and the same. Jesus lived, who saves the penitent, repentant thief, and there is hope. As Curtis Joel and Dean said, there is hope. There is hope for the, the bias of all sinners if they won't only repent and believe. And we see lastly in this history before us how, how near a dying, a dying believer is to rest in glory. We read that our Lord said to the 
this malefactor, this criminal, thief, and replied to his prayer, Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Say it with me, in paradise. That word today contains a body, a large body of divinity. It tells us that that at the very moment a believer, a believer dies, their soul is in happiness, and their soul is in safe, safe keeping. They have this full redemption is not yet to come. Their perfect bless will not begin before the resurrection morning, but there is no mysterious, no mysterious delay, no season of suspense, no purgatory that man no purpose, no death in the state of reward. That in the day that we breathe our last, we go to paradise. That in the hour that we depart, we shall be with Christ, according to Philippians chapter 123. Father, this morning, let us remember these things. That when our believing friends, our believing loved ones, fall asleep in Christ, we must not sorrow for them as those who have no hope. No hope. While we are sorrowing, they are rejoicing. While we are putting on our mourning and weeping at their funeral, they are safe and happy with their Lord. And above all, let us remember these things if we are true Christians and looking forward to our own death. To die is a solemn thing, but if we die in the Lord, we need now not doubt that our death Father, this morning as we bow in prayer and those by way of television and radio, may we dedicate and rededicate our hearts and our lives tonight. I'm so grateful and thankful for those who have been touched by our ministry here and who entered into eternity because of the abilities of all of us to share Christ by way of television and radio, YouTube, and I the first time a rededication. May we all pray this prayer so that it's not only resonant in our lives, but we can share it with others. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, saved by your grace. Come into my heart and life. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This time, prepared to wait upon you for your tithes and your offerings. We ask that you do a continual prayer for our existence. And let us turn to our, our bulletin to our offices first. God of peace and justice. In the past years, we have once again witnessed the fruits of war. Lives cut short, children made orphans, Homes devastated and hearts broken. We pray to see the day that Isaiah saw in his heart when swords are pounded into plowshares. These gifts we bring this morning. May they be used to make human hearts ready for peace and for the reign of your Son. In this holy name we pray. Amen. Come thou long expected Jesus in honor of Paul Peterson and Chelsea Bullquist, our long-time givers and, and live quite a distance from the church, but they appreciate and support our ministry. Purple, number one.
calls us to this Advent journey. It's so easy for us to become distracted so that we wander off the path of your Advent. We miss your first coming. Shall we not miss your second coming? The chaos of the world around us catches our attention, and we neglect the inner journey of our spirit that keeps us closer to you. As we set aside this time to bring our gifts to you, may you draw our attention back to the wisdom and guidance that you have set before us, and may it lead us to endurance that will carry us to that kingdom presence in Christ's name. Amen. 